0: Welcome to another episode of Money for Nothing, the podcast about music and capitalism. Friends, we're back. It's Sam and I, and we're diving into a familiar name that you probably all know, but maybe don't know a ton about, and that is today's episode, which will be all about Scooter Braun. But before we dive into uh, the highs and lows of uh, Scooty, uh we have some exciting news that Sam and I and Money for Nothing will be collaborating joining forces okay you know what people the, the truth is we sold out okay we we sold out but we don't like to call it that we like to call it that we bought in um no that's complete and utter lies and you know it uh we are actually very excited to announce that we are now uh <laughs> We are now we are okay. We are now partnering with the great David Turner and his newsletter slash project. We'll see where it goes. Penny fractions. Uh, we are very excited to join forces with David, and we hope that it will bring new and exciting content uh, for you. Yeah, I, th- I just don't know. I think it's. I think it's gonna. We we decided. You know what? Like, like you're doing a cool thing. We're doing. We're 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 doing we're doing we're doing a cool, th- yeah, you know like you're doing a cool thing we're doing a cool thing let's just fucking like try, join forces and see what the fuck happens. We here, stopped right? dating. We made it official, baby. Yeah, the profile uh, to really date myself has gone from
1: uh, what, what what was what were the profile like things on Facebook? It was like it, it's single. You've gone from single to polyamorous. No, um, we're incredibly excited. Uh, clearly, David's been like a long time like fave of saxon and i and we are figuring out all kinds of cool stuff that that the three of us and, and the rest of the team over at penny fractions can do together in coming months and so i mean very much this is still like a watch watch this space moment um where we will be rolling out like yeah some 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 cool some cool stuff in the works um but for now just know that uh we are selling out to the best possible people that's right, we're getting those penny fractions, big bucks. We're going to be uh, no longer offering you critical reportage on the music industry, but instead just like how great universal music is. That's what this podcast will be about from here on out. And as, as, as Saxon said, as uh, you know, the first step in the the, the uh, our, BC, our obedience to our new overlords, we're going to be talking about Scooter Braun, the greatest man in the music industry. Who, who's really
0: done nothing wrong ever, <laughs> who only has wit no. well, he has, and has brought basically uh, pop music to its cultural pinnacle and then we can only just uh, lay lay our, 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 our wreaths down at his at his feet and, and praise him for his just genius.
1: I think that may, doesn't that mean he's dead. Do you lay wreaths down before? This is due to
0: a god. I don't know. I, it's it's been a while since I like have made an offering. Our to Our wreath laying
1: etiquette is rusty.
0: <laughs>
1: Anyways, um, it happened once yeah. in Berghain, but <laughs> it's Bergheim actually. But um, <laughs> uh, I refuse to pronounce German correctly. It. <laughs> I feel like it's my cultural right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I've, re- I've
0: refused to pronounce German correctly is that you just can't pronounce German? That's probably what you mean since like they just keep adding it's just like a word up, connected to a word connected to a word until there's literally 26 letters in the word.
1: Um yeah, I mean look, it what could go wrong? Uh <laughs> The okay, what could the, go the wrong? The thing I feel wrong? like is really important, equally as important as this announcement um, about us at penny fractions and the future of the podcast is that you will now be able to afford to buy songs. Is, is that you were going to have to listen to Asher Roth's "I Love College" live on air for potentially the first time?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: We're going to um, cue this up. We're going to do a live react segment because this is actually bizarrely enough, folks. Asher Roth is a key part of this story. If you memory hold him, congratulations. It's um, it's, it's Saxon. Just hit, hit play. Let's see. Let's hear, let's hear some of the. I feel good. If you have a drink, would you please put it in the air? That party last night was awfully crazy. I wish you tasted it. I danced my face off and had this one girl completely naked. Drink my drink. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, you know i i like i don't think it's that bad (laughs) i mean it's bad but it's like also like you you also like you completely understand why it's popular like it's like it's like not even debatable why it's popular like maybe 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 you're maybe you're like little liberal bubble up in your little northeast like enclave doesn't get why Asheroth is uh is got famous for this song. But like anybody who spent time, any time down in the SEC knows that this song went off. <laughs> like, and I think that's okay. I get it. And if you really think about it, I mean like, what what is a post Malone without Asheroth? Uh,
1: I mean for me, it was just that the quality of the rapping was so bad. Like I remembered him being like the quality of the rapping is terrible. It's the
0: classic. It's the classic. Like it's the classic. Like you know, um, I'm uh, a suburban white kid who's really into hip hop, and there's nothing wrong with that. But then I try to rap myself, and I somehow immediately fall into a rhyming scheme that just really sounds like nursery rhymes.
1: <laughs> Alan song. <Averson>. it's <laughs> "ba ba black sheep." <laughs> it just it's it's funny. It's just it's also like a reminder of just like. I just, it, people, people, like, talk about mumble rap and forget the quality of the rapping that was on the airwaves in 2008,
0: 2009. Yeah, but like at least, like, also, like, mumble rap has, like, like, a recognizable, like, aesthetic style and approach. You know, I mean, like, I mean, like, you know, Asheroth is essentially just... but then again, you know, you could even go ahead and argue. I mean, like, I mean
1: I'm the blown leap, away. The, I'm blown the, away the, by... the leap
0: from Asheroth to the streets is like not that far. <laughs> okay,
1: okay, okay. Come for my college, that's fine. Come for the streets. How how dare you? No. A totally different cultural context. B, he could still he can rap <laughs> in a British way. Uh, do British people rap? <laughs> we can toast in a British way. No, no, no. I mean, like, <laughs> if you listen to listen to the Streets' first album, man, and it's it's good rapping. That is, it's almost yeah. London Bridge is fallen down, broken down, dead seven, my lady.
0: London Bridge broken down with a guy, ladi da. Humpty
1: Dumpty Had a Great Fall that, That's <laughs> that, Do you Did you listen to a different Are you confusing the streets With someone <laughs> I'm pretty sure That's the streets I'm pretty sure he's a, humpty, I think uh, London yeah, Bridge Yeah, is, yeah The is, rhyme's is, coming down
0: Humpty Dumpty Sat on a wall Humpty Dumpty He had a great fall And all the king's horses Oh man. and, and I'll just I had a lot more cigarette because you know fuck that. No, I mean come on, Asheroth and the streets are pretty much doing the same thing. I mean the the streets is cooler, I guess. No,
1: no, they're not doing the same thing at all. And Anyways, I'm not gonna okay. get into like we're not gonna get into why that's of all the takes we've ever had on the show, the worst. <laughs> yeah, bruv. All the king's but, horses and all the king's men. I there's was in a London reason the, streets and the rains were coming down and I was thinking about you. <laughs> there's a reason we're talking about Asheroth today. And that's because Asher Roth is a crucial component of the rise and fall of one Scooter, Scoots Braun, um, who... Scooter Scott Braun. Yeah, no, I know his... his, He He's born Scott. He's he's born Scott. Um, No, of Scooter Braun, who um, has been one of the most prominent music managers of the last... 15 or so years and and has been in the news lately for kind of getting maybe potentially quasi dumped by kind of a litany of true class a um star clients let's let's roll through let's roll that we got we got okay okay it's really it's it's, it's, amazing it's it's, it's the who's who of major pop in...
0: This man, this man right here has managed at some point in his career or currently, Justin Bieber, Kanye West, Ariana Grande, Devin Lovato, Jay Balvin, and more recently, Ozuna, right? So he's got some big the fucking Kid names The Kid Leroy. On there. The Kid Leroy, yeah. Carly Ray. Carly Ray Jepsen, yeah, yeah. So... Yeah. The guy's you know he's got his hand as, in, 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 in uh and he's got he's you know he's 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 behind the scenes with some serious players. And oh, let's be oh, real and, 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 and the, sigh from fucking And Psy,
1: uh, And let's be real here, he also and more recently he's been moving to kind of be um the head of uh Hi-B Entertainment, which is uh um, BTS's label in America, um, and recently purchased, you know, quality control music. Um Coach K's incredibly, incredibly successful atlanta rap um label which included migos little yachty little baby city girls a bunch of other talent so he's got his hand in a lot of pies oh he's managed black eyed peas david guetta yeah anyways you get the point yeah yeah yeah. no he's a lot of a lot of but also i think one of those first names that you mentioned i think is is in many ways the critical one which is justin bieber right and with justin bieber Scooter Braun really rode the wave to rode the wave and helped make the wave of a certain kind of internet age superstar. And this kind of wave of potential um, potential client breakups that he's he's had um, in recent years, uh, in recent like last six months or so. Um, partially as a result of his continued beefing with taylor swift um maybe marks the end of that and, and i think it's worthwhile i think from he's been kind of omnipresent in popular music for the last like we said 15 years and so we thought it was actually a really useful this this current moment is a really useful um um kind of a position from which to think about what it means if kind of like the scooter brawn era of pop is if not ending, at least like transforming in some fairly dramatic ways and kind of think about like how the role that scooter played, both the role that scooter played and the kind of space and like environment that he, that he found a way to capitalize on. um And and I think that with, uh with the advantage of kind of looking backwards, it's possible to see now that that wasn't just like, normal that was like a very specific moment in the music industry and that that i think that looking at scooter's career is a interesting way to think about that and scooter's career um starts with asher roth
0: yeah for real i mean like i just before we before we go any further i just want to say that again that's a great way to just describe it but i think you in this show we've also done you know we've done we've done taylor swift you know, and talked about the masters and her recordings and everything, and that I feel like I just want to mention, like that seems to be like how most people know Scooter Braun is like, unless you're like a, you know, an industry head or you pay really close attention to music beyond just the actual music itself. Which, but yeah, I think a lot of people just kind of know his name as he's a household name because of like the the long long going Taylor Swift beef, which we'll also get into.
1: And just to remind people of like what that is, is that uh. Scooter Braun's kind of shadowy company, I think a holdings, which he runs in conjunction or ran in conjunction with several other, the managers of several other super successful kind of, again, like internet 2.0 era stars, um, bought big machine, which was Taylor Swift's record label. Cause Taylor Swift was technically indie for her first five albums. Um, and, Taylor really didn't like Scooter because of Kanye beef, <laughs> that uh, again, we will kind of get into. And uh, basically, this all blew up publicly, and Taylor used this to kind of uh, push this idea that she's going to re record her own music, which has been an incredibly, incredibly successful gambit, arguably, which powered. By make, making these old... Really, the, the peak of her pop success new again powered her most recent era's tour cultural phenomena. And again, so most people know Scooter Braun from the Taylor Swift uh, hate. Yeah, for sure. So maybe to dive
0: in, actually, before we get into the history of Scooter, why don't we actually talk about like kind of what's been happening in like, the headlines lately um, with Scooter Braun? I feel like I can't help but continue to call him Scooter, which feels... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think you should call him that. That's that's his it given name. Feels, feels, feels given a little. Name, uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels a little. That's that's he's made this bed and now we have to lie in it. So I think some of
0: the so I think some of the major things is that like basically like some news came out I don't know maybe about a month ago that like a number of his major stars that he manages were possibly going to be um, cutting ties with him and this kind of goes on top of the. Um, At the same time, him taking over as CEO of HYBE America, which you'll have – should sound familiar if you listen to the show. Um, Going back to um, our most recent um, uh, K-pop episode, uh, HYBE being the South Korean entertainment giant behind BTS. And he – Scooter Braun recently sold his Ithaca holdings to HYBE and has taken over as a CEO probably to try to help them expand into the US market, I'd imagine. But as a result, a lot of his A list not as a result, sorry, but uh simultaneously a lot of his A around this sorry, around the same time though, a lot of his A list clients, there's I guess been rumors going around, I guess is the best way we could put it, that that uh David Lovato Ariana Grande and possibly also even Justin Bieber are will be cutting ties with Scooter.
1: Yeah, and and it, this was weird news. It, it's it, it's very hard to tell. Like we're in. What the in, hell is going on? <laughs> it's very hard to tell what the hell's going on, and that's because uh, that's for reasons, right? Like we talk a lot about um, record labels on the show, clearly, right? And at some levels, like record labels are the end user is the massive numbers the, the global market that consumes music right what's funny is we're now talking about a different sector of the, the music industry where like the end user of a manager are like the 15 people but the 15 people in those negotiations between like an art it, they're b2b people you know what i mean right like the the, the point of having a manager is not to that reach means. stars B business to business right the point of a manager is not to reach people the point of a manager is to like allow an artist to negotiate with a record label or figure out with like other business people they don't like directly do anything and so i think that we're now t- not talking about uh, businesses where the outputs are millions of units we're talking about like in a weird way like the output is um, emotional relationships and so given that like Leaking a story to the press to help negotiate a new contract with one of these stars is like totally in the realm of possibility. I mean, when you dig into the news, it does seem that like some of these people had like already left. <laughs> some of them, uh, like Adina Manzel, um, like kind of weird that Scooter Braun was ever managing Broadway star Adina Manzel. I mean,
0: he's definitely managed some. There's some definitely weird names on those roster. I mean, thanks Psy being the most interesting one, but we can get into that later.
1: Yeah, um, but, like, some of these are also, like, these people have contracts, right? Like, multi-year contracts, so they actually can't break them, right? Like, their contracts will come up for renewal, and maybe they're not planning to renew their contract, and and that would be an interesting story, but, like, it's not clear to the extent whether there was a there there, or, like, actually even, whether there there was was a there there, and whether, like, it was actually produced, like, produced by a single momentary decision. But it does seem more generally that like Braun is stepping back from managing these clients or clients like this. And potentially that more generally, like the role of someone like Scooter Braun in relation to stars of this caliber is beginning to shift in ways that make him and specifically like the 20% cut he gets like no longer makes sense. For superstar artists who now can kind of like hire management, like a la carte management teams and things like that.
0: So I guess that's kind of the background of the reason why we're talking about uh, Scooter Braun right now is that he's obviously there's been a lot in the headlines um, about about him. And we felt like it was a good opportunity then to kind of really dive into his feel like it was a good opportunity to talk about his meteoric rise. Uh, I mean, the man is only 42, uh, which is pretty wild to think about. Uh, yeah, and so I guess to start do you want to do one of maybe start like where where did Scooter Braun where did where did Scott Braun come from, Sam? Like how did he end up as uh one of the primary one of the main movers and shakers in the music industry behind uh these massive pop stars? Yeah.
1: So I mean honestly, like I actually think Asher Roth <laughs> keep going back to Asher Roth um Per- Play it again. <laughs> the musician that you think is the greatest American rapper of the 2010s. Um I didn't. Not you did. Say that, you did. No. You, he edited it out, folks. That but he did say that. It was unbelievable and really ignorant given that Tyga was also working during that period of time. Um <laughs> <laughs> so basically Haters gonna hate. Um Rack City, babe. So basically Scooter Braun grows up in Costco, Connecticut, super tony, rich suburb of New York City, attends Greenwich High School, um, super fancy high school. Um, He goes to school at Emory in Atlanta. He's a rich kid. He's a rich kid. Um, But like, yeah, like rich kid, son of immigrants, um, like conservative Jewish, like his dad's a dentist vibes. Um, So like business people, (laughs) business people um who run like small businesses. Um small extremely profitable businesses. Um right like orthodontist? Yeah man, you're <laughs> that's a good gig. So Braun goes to Emory and starts promoting parties there and specifically after parties.
0: So we're talking like we're talking like we're talking about like basically like, like like backyard frat parties, but with like a little bit more of a professionality to them. It's hard I, to say. I,
1: yeah, I, I think we're start yeah th- that and then eventually like full scale after parties for big rap shows. Um, so he like plans in two thousand two, says Wikipedia, <laughs> he uh <laughs> planned after parties for the um ludicrous Eminem anger management tour. Right, so we're talking about like pop rap after parties, though. Like Luda is clearly. An extraordinary talent. I mean, Eminem's great too, but like, that's not the point. Um, I just didn't want to call, I didn't want to have the record being that uh, I think ludicrous is pop rap. And so he meets as a result of this like hustling and success. Uh, I mean, he was originally on the basketball team. He switches to party promotion, um, realizes that he's really good at it, drops out of Emory, starts working with Jermaine Dupree, leaves school to, to become a uh, marketing there and then kind of builds out a clientele kind of figuring out uh kind of leveraging these personal connections and sense of what a party is and kind of kicks around a little bit and then starts trying to develop artists and basically like takes all of the money he's made
0: okay wait okay wait okay but wait but wait before we before we do that i want to i just want to like I want to like riff a little bit here. How much do you think some of this story is like complete bullshit? Not that it matters, but I' just like the whole basketball thing doesn't that kind of feel like something like he's like famous and no one's going to be able to call him out and that he actually that's kind of just bullshit. Like, I don't know. It feels so weird.
1: I, th- I get The question is, who
0: cares? <laughs> yeah, but no, but I do find it... <laughs> fine.
1: <laughs> no, I guess, no, I mean... No, because so here's the, the, reason the, the, reason, the reason why I care. This is, the basketball
0: thing... Because this is the type of... Cause this is the reason why I care, I think, is because I think it also, like, describes the sort of personality of, like, these kinds of people where they actually do kind of create a sort of, like, myth about them. You know, they create a narrative about, like, their life, and that is kind of part of actually what, like, makes... Somebody like, not that that would specifically make him what he is, but it does seem to contribute to this sort of like, uh, this easy, digestible, like narrative story that can fit into a variety profile or something. And
1: and the basketball is actually an important part of his story, not because he's sporty. I mean, he's 5'11. Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I mean, he's fucking 5'11. It's it's not because he's like, he's sporty or not sporty. It's because the basketball is kind of positioned as his avenue into like uh into an authentic relationship with black culture uh he he yeah exactly exactly it's actually a story kind of also because weird. um again thinking i don't know about self mythologizing, oh. but like his family reportedly um i forget the exact details but basically has these there are these two um african immigrant like, high school kids who come and live with his family and play on the greenwich <laughs> high school <laughs> basketball team <laughs> which like the team around them were clearly like had like racist accusations that that greenwich had like got these ringers um which was not true but like is- wow crazy and and like a really tough situation for everyone involved and the family like took in these kids and so scooter kind of says and has said that he has like two black siblings um
0: (laughs) okay see you know you dig a little deeper you get into some interesting details okay so moving on all right
1: no 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 no. but you're right i think i think that that sense of like he he, that he is a white dude who comes up not through la but through atlanta who comes up not through pop but through hip-hop in the lens um, as an outsider and that that kind of like always is an outsider but also as an outsider who's like consistently working that like like in some ways like his whole career is at least his whole early career is is like an emery after you know what i mean like it's like what it what forms of hip-hop culture are going to be most acceptable to like a large cross-racial right. cross-class audience but like, especially like, yeah. appeal to white folks, which again brings us back to Asher Roth.
0: <laughs> so, huh. uh, the after-party college rapper of the early two thousand, uh, the early two thousand. Yeah, uh, t- the odds, no, because it came out like 2008, yeah, yeah. it had right? like one. So I remember it was know. like a
1: big deal. It was like, oh, it's a new style. Anyways. Anyway, um, like Mozart. It's a, new style. Um, <laughs> it's a new it's style. A, it's a new style. As if, as if the
0: Cottonmouth, King, Cottonmouth Kings never existed. As if
1: just, just slightly stupid erasure after slightly stupid erasure, my guy. Uh. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Which goes back to the genius of, dare I say, Sublime. Anyways, okay, continue. on. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I would, We're a I would loose say today. cut. I would say cut this out, but I know you're not going to. Um, Hell no. (laughs) So basically he takes the money he's made, kind of goes independent, starts scouting, starts scouting for talent that has this crossover appeal and ends up with two projects. One is Asher Roth, which he like, who he like puts up in a house (laughs) and buys weed for and it kind of like sticks him like in what I can only assume is absolute chaos uh, (laughs) as like he makes one really successful money-making hit I um, mean the other is and more important one though in some ways a mirror right is Justin Bieber who he finds on YouTube as this and it's it's hard to remember now um because of his like continued transformation but like and and because he's still like a real star but like what a thing like prepubescent <laughs> Justin Bieber was right like this like angelic like bowl cut blonde like dirty blonde kid with a super baby face super with a an incredible falsetto right like it you know there's (laughs) there was a reason that there were castrati right like before boys voice change voices change their falsetto is inc- can be incredible and Justin Bieber had an incredible voice and he's singing like these like adult R&B songs like full <laughs> octave up and it's a whole vibe and basically uh Scooter realized that this kid like had it but also that the way he was interacting with the world, that like YouTube videos, unmediated access to stars was could be used to break a performer. And, it, and it's interesting, right? Like, I've I read some interviews with Braun where he's like, at the time, no one thought that you could break a child performer if they didn't, like, have a Disney show.
0: Right. Interesting. But no one – but also, like, I think it also
1: should be added that no one thought that you could really break, like, a YouTube star back then. No, exactly. There there weren't YouTube stars, right? Like, right. Justin Bieber was one of – it. The first, maybe the first major career to launch on YouTube, and they're all these amazing, like two thousand nine, two thousand and ten,
0: and like according to Scooter Braun, like that he he was the first, and then like whether or not like Scooter Braun is like you know, um, adding to his myth, like I think it is fair to say that like Scooter Braun saw potential in YouTube as a possible place to have stars or have potential to find potential stars that could like break out of the platform to
1: find potential stars and then to cultivate those stars through that medium right realizing that there are these new access points for fandom and that it's possible to, to and i think to, it's important to
0: emphasize that no one had done. Yeah, that. no it's that
1: crazy point. you read like you read the rise about justin bieber and it's like what you know YouTube finally produces a star, like not like the Charlie bit my finger kid, but like someone who then went transitioned from YouTube phenomenon to sell records and a lot of records. Um, what's funny is that like talking about like under uh, uh, undervalued like pop sounds. I Saxon, this is not just Saxon listeners of the show. I love you all. And this is what I do. For the sake of scholarly inquiry, I listened to all of Justin Bieber's first record in preparation for this. <laughs> and it is terrible. But you know what it sounds like? Child Neo. <laughs> Which just realized, you forget like how big a deal Neo was? <laughs> and like... What a weird moment 2009-2010 was. Like, sometimes you're like, oh, I can't believe it's been almost 15 years. And then sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, I can. I definitely, definitely can. And, like, listening to what pop albums released in 2009 sound like is... is, is, is it's like, this feels like a lot longer than 10 years. A lot longer than 15 years, too. But, yeah, so back to the YouTube thing. I do think that, like, it, it's hard to wrap your head around it. But Justin Bieber was one of the first. And, again, it's, it's hard to... I think that you're really good, Saxon, at pointing out, like... This is kind of the whole managerial thing, right? How to separate... Given that their job is canny myth-making, how to separate canny myth-making from actual accounts is difficult. And to, like, what extent his tactics... Clearly, the scouting on YouTube is really effective. And they do, like... He, like, go... Basically, he, like, calls this woman and is like, I... <laughs> this woman being Bieber's mom was a single mom Christian and is like, I want to like make your son famous, <laughs> come to Atlanta. Um, and I think that like, there's like, he gets Usher involved at some level. And that's when the mom is like, Oh, if Usher's going to do it, then it's gotta be fine. Cause <laughs> no, no one's got anything bad to say yeah, about yeah. Usher. It's, and again, the extent to which this is an Atlanta story, right? Like, Atlanta the center of, of pop in so many complicated ways over the last 20 years but yeah no I think I think you're exactly right Saxon it's hard to wrap your head around how new this was and how big Bieber was and and again like hard to tell but myth making to see whether having blown up on YouTube ha- having made that major label connection and release harder to a b like whether to what extent their continued use of YouTube was important for Bieber's success. Braun says it was, right? Braun says we keep letting we kept letting Justin make videos. We kept producing videos for this content of like again, preteen girls. And that like we went out of our way to like cultivate this audience in, in one of the, the, I read like a, a long interview profile piece from him in like 2010 or 2011 or something, where he talks about an Australian, like Bieber's first Australian tour and that they were super, super booked up and didn't have much time for media outlets. And they turned down like a major adult focused media outlet in order to make time for these like two 12 year old girls and their dad because the 12 year old girls ran a big Bieber youtube fan page and they were like these are more important. this is going to sell us more records and build up a community of fans more effectively than like appearing on a major melbourne like i don't know news show watched by adults and scooters like the the adults aren't going to buy the records like why why even try for why even try to move through the pathways of an industry that's disintegrating and again like i think that's the, the broader context for this right like 2008 2009 2010 2011 this is the moment when the wheels come off the record industry and scooter braun and and justin bieber figuring out a way forward and are i think maybe one of the first indications of the sense that like music might be free but people are going to buy stuff anyway and that it's possible to use the internet not just to like spread information but to make hits
0: i think the main takeaway from this is was kind of at the forefront at a major inflection point like in the music industry and handled it really well basically like he saw an opportunity he took it but like i'm sure there were other people who might have seen that opportunity as well possibly whatever but you know he found success doing it um by kind of in some ways kind of like doing it on the fly and kind of his own way now mind you of course he had the connections and everything right but yeah i think the point is is that what we take for granted now say like a star coming out of like TikTok now um and you're making that transition outside of the out of the platform into massive stardom like Scooter Braun was kind of at the beginning of that with Justin Bieber, and continued to actually use that as well I, again with other artists like with Psy. Which I guess when he like signed Psy, Psy only had like sixty thousand views on YouTube with
1: his video, and or like became, in America, yeah, or in America, yeah, that one, that one, I'm like, because that's the funny thing with all this. Like, some of it's so, it's such a good example of like the music industry being like, it's a couple hits pay for a lot of misses, and some of that just like. I I don't believe that he made Psy happen. I don't. <laughs> I think I think that song was gonna was gonna do what it was gonna do. Yeah, personally. But anyways,
0: I don't. Yeah, and I don't. I don't know the exact story behind it. And I'm pretty sure like Psy contacted Scooter, and that was probably also a good move on him. But he contacted Scooter because of the fact that Scooter had this like track record of success with stars that came off of these sort of platforms in a non traditional sort of A uh, and R way that the music industry had been operating up until that time.
1: And no no that that's a super great point. And I think like a, the other thing I, is that as like kind of a, a guy who was effective at thinking through the way that that like the old school music industry cuz like Bieber's like as superstar a superstar could be at this point, right? pretty quickly. Um he hadn't quite made the the rough transition to adult pop, which he now has successfully, but like you know, it's he's not on an indie Justin Bieber he's like on a major but but also that that Scooter realizes and and in a couple of really effective ways of, of like using not just like jumping on trends that are already existing or creating fan bases but like then leveraging those fan bases to create other hits and maybe the most notorious example of that is Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe
0: yeah, which I think kind of brings us to, like, another sort of uh, uh, <laughs> scooter test case that we could take a look at.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. it, which is, like, maybe, oh, God, I love this song. This, like, I love this. This is one of my favorite pop songs. And one of the things that broke that is that there was this huge video of, all of these stars It was a really big deal at the time. It was kind of what made this, got the song which then became a massive hit in its own its own right, got the song kind of viral success is this video of all of these stars including Justin Bieber dancing around together listening to it. And again, it's it's like this perfect moment of like industry constructed able to like like tap into the highest rungs of power, but also the video is like kind of uh artfully unprofessional and feels very authentic which i think was becoming like a very like a popular aesthetic at that at that time um kind
0: of maybe some sort of mix of like late 90s early 2000s nostalgia but also because of the fact that you were beginning to see all these stars kind of coming out of these platforms like you know whatever on on youtube and so you were able to access like, you know, even to this day, you know, you can go and access like early Justin Bieber footage, you know, before he was all professionalized. And I think it's an interesting, actually just sort of, I don't know if this is like like a total um, stretch, but I think that like you can make a connection between the sort of the complete obsession of, of of late nineties early two thousands aesthetic. That's kind of like sort of like artfully unprofessional as you put it. What you're seeing now with, say, like you know Olivia Rodrigo or something, and like really kind of once again, like you weren't really that like just Scooter and his team and Carly Rae Jepsen's team just being able to sort of like really tap into that aesthetic and make something that just blew the fuck up, yeah,
1: and, and, and like leveraging famous friends in seemingly unprofessional ways, right? Like it's got Justin Bieber, yeah, exactly, Gomez like with loose. an item dancing like around the people
0: too, kind of whatever, yeah, yeah,
1: and that that sense of like being a (laughs) high-powered consigliere to the stars you know it like the ability to manipulate those pieces knowing again that like in this new industry music industry like the the way to get a song huge is maybe not to get it like broken on a radio station the way it was in the 90s it's to get Justin Bieber to feature in a video on it so he gets introduced to all of his fans and that's a really different way of thinking about the power of these stars and then uh, of thinking about the the, just the broader media landscape around it and yeah and from from there like he continues to (laughs) go to success so uh he hooks up with Ariana Grande he hooks up I mean by hooks up, I mean has a contractual relationship with. I, that's uh, <laughs> uh, forms a partnership with Ariana Grande, forms a brief and tempestuous relationship with Kanye West. Um, Contractually,
0: once again, right?
1: <laughs> Which in many ways was like the beginning of a certain kind of downfall. His linkage with Kanye West, because this is like the the classic. <laughs> it's such it's the funny thing and i think that i'm thinking just like taking a step back it's like saxon you and i have talked for a while about the role of managers and management companies in you know, talk, talk like off mic, uh, about the role of management and management companies in, in music. And, you know, there, there's a, a series of really major ones that have kind of moved into these large agencies that have begun to move into music. Certainly as you get the kind of like return to like an all singing, all dancing, all rapping form of pop star, where they're really multimedia artists that work across multiple platforms, like certain kinds of, of talent and, and as, as labels have gotten less important to certain kinds of talent agencies, have moved into this space and it's like you know because they're clearly important but it, it's funny because it's 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 so showbiz you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah it, it this is not it's, it's 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 i think i'm wrapping my head around a little bit how it's difficult to talk about this side of the business given how personal it is and given how based on personal relationships it is and, and thinking about how to develop an analytic critique of it and critical understanding of it given the fact that it's like it becomes like show business gossip right like this guy uh managed kanye who jumped on stage um and said that taylor shouldn't have won what was it best video i forget which award right that beyonce should have was jumped on kanye jumped on stage and Shutter sta- shades <laughs> says beyonce should have won the video and so Taylor Swift hates Kanye. And so then Justin Bieber puts an Instagram photo of him and Kanye and says, like, <laughs> hi, Taylor. And then Justin Bieber is dating Selena Gomez and Taylor Swift is friends with Selena Gomez. And so <laughs> and so uh, Taylor Swift doesn't like how involved in their lives Scooter Braun is. And it's this weird form of stardom where, like, yeah, I bet, like, These are these like young people and they're romantically involved, but also their businesses and like, yeah, their managers are involved in their like makeups and breakups. And like all of this is then driving (laughs) in all kinds, and then is both driving a set of business moves, but also is potentially being used by these canny businesses as a way to explain their set of, business moves i mean i I found this amazing conspiracy theory actually like fairly sourced conspiracy theory about the, the taylor swift scooter Braun thing which is that taylor was a major star she was changing contracts she had the opportunity to buy her masters she didn't right she she didn't she had she had an opportunity to get them back in exchange for giving up masters of a new one and potentially to buy them she didn't then scooter Braun's company ethical holdings buys the company that owns her masters she gets incredibly upset because she hates scooter Braun because of this <laughs> justin apparently this justin bieber instagram post and then in instead of having to it's worked out great for her right instead of having to buy her masters back she re-records them makes them all hits again for the first time and it's been this tremendously successful thing
0: the and my one concern about that of course that my my like my hobby horse on this is like but did the players on the original album are they no longer getting royalties but they probably just got a point they got they got uh,
1: got paid flat out anyway no but so saxon the conspiracy theory is this yeah okay is that in fact taylor swift knew That her song, that her masters were going to be bought by Scooter Braun because her father is a shareholder in Big Machine, which was going to be bought by Ithaca Holdings. So he was invited to a shareholder meeting in which they discussed the soon to be takeover of the label. However, he claims. I went deep. He claims that he didn't attend because everyone in those meetings um, is not able to disclose information and he didn't want to have to keep anything from his daughter. But like, like, come on, dude. Like
0: <laughs> that's like when stockbrokers like can hear of like you know rumblings of like a possible merger or something and then like you know claim that like they don't tell their their uh their clients or whatever or, you know because <laughs> of like whatever laws you know <laughs> what are those trading laws you know like yeah i mean comp- antitrust laws or something anti competition or some because <laughs> of
1: because of because of whatever. money for nothing on money for nothing on insider trading yeah Yeah, it's it's whatever you know come
0: on it's it's
1: bullshit
0: you know like Um, anybody who's sitting here thinking that doesn't No, it's
1: it's total i think it's total it's total bullshit but then taylor goes out taylor goes out and claims like oh my god i was blindsided by this news and then with the swifties right after carefully cultivating swifty outrage and anger re-records the album so instead of having to pay 500 million dollars or whatever it ended up being it was in the hundreds of millions though um for these masters of questionable value instead she pays zero dollars and zero cents and produces a series of new hit albums from her old songs
0: and let's be real let's be real that is a that's that's not only brilliant but it is a classic modern music industry move i'm going to sell you the same thing over and over again of course i'm referring to formats
1: but essentially she's taking that you know, you're not thing. wrong saxon that's a really good point <laughs> i like that that's why you know i am a i'm a i'm a, a big machine truther I think, this uh, in the works. I think taylor swift's father knew i think, <laughs> I think that she knew <laughs> i think yeah Did she, but did travis
0: Kelce know that's what we need to know I, yeah good question um Where do you want to go from here? Because, like, you know, we've we've taken up almost an hour here. And, I mean, we've really established that this man has really been, like, a major player, like, one of the major players involved with some of the major stars. He was at this major inflection point when kind of, like, social media became the uh, way or a one way to, like, sort of break stars and was able to, you know, diversify outside, his help his stars diversify outside of just the music, you know, cross-promotion, tv blah 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 blah. but things have kind of like changed a little bit lately and like maybe we should like kind of fast forward to that and kind of how things have like altered for scooter and maybe think like is this the sort of the end of an era and what does the future hold
1: yeah i mean if you look at his lineup right it's a mixed bag of people right there's like it's been a minute since he signed Started working with a major new star, right? Like, like working with the Black Eyed Peas post twenty fifteen is like not—it's not what it once was.
0: And also, like you know, Bieber's been pretty inactive. Uh, Ariana Grande's been pretty inactive. You know, kind of like featuring on like there's been singles here and there. There's been high profile um, features, but like
1: people come in, Kid Leroy comes in, leaves. Um, Jay Balvin comes in, leaves. No, it seems like and 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 he it, it's interesting in in like this like funny weird level of self reflection that he has in lots of his interviews. He's like, I'm a this was a couple years ago. He's like, I'm a 39 year old guy named Scooter, but like I'm also a 39 year old guy. I know that what I did in 2008, I that's not me. I shouldn't be the one to do that anymore. Like, you need someone who knows what kids like to do this there's actually really interesting like uh like in this transition as he's kind of leaving this this maybe this like pop maximum pop space you know like there's a there's an interesting anecdote he had in, in in one of these articles about like when when bieber was kind of coming back from his like dark period which like they, they all say like he was in real trouble and maybe he was but like the, the from the the outside it was like he peed in a bucket one time
0: eh, he got into like a car wreck and then there was like uh there was like the prostitute in like brazil i mean like for a guy that came up as a christian singer it got a little sketchy okay
1: okay i didn't do that much research so yeah, yeah, yeah on that part of it so maybe maybe it got kind of sketchy
0: yeah i think he got like a doi and then he was like yeah and then the, you know he like and then there was like the yeah, and that's the with all the power like,
1: of the the media behind like covering that up yeah, yeah yeah that's a good point so okay so anyway but like yeah when he's coming back he's like what should he do should he had a staffing he's like what should he go on the view Should and someone's like no no one cares about that they if he's serious about coming back he should do a comedy central roast
0: yeah and it was like an intern that suggested it yeah that was a good roast
1: no and and they were that intern was right but right so like that sense that he's moving out of this phase um and also you know thinking about like it's interesting to think about managers right like managers didn't used to have to be one of the kids at some level if what they do is interface with the power structure of the music industry Right. That's the classic, like, if you think about Hollywood, the classic, like, cigar chomping manager archetype. Right. That's because he knows the studio execs who are not kids. If what you're doing, you know, social media is a more unforgiving terrain. um, And it's possible that, like, it's just not something that you can do with the history. So that's, like you know, as he's moving away from kind of the white hot center of pop success that might be one explanation he's just aging out of it and that then that's at some level a new structural force within the music industry the need for the business people to be fully immersed in this um i mean i think that that comes and goes away
0: yeah. you know and also there's another way to look at this where it's also like you know he's probably looking at lucian grange and he's thinking like can i get reach that point do i want to get to that point you know i'm aging out of this i shouldn't have my hand in the pie so much anymore like what's the next thing and i mean i, I think that also probably explains maybe his him becoming ceo
1: at hive probably and and that's one explanation which is like more personal the other is maybe more structural which is like this has the the kind of management for superstars right and maybe maybe for 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 more up-and-coming folks too right but like is is the central importance of that management in a more as as crucial Given the fact that instead of being in this point of like constant like vortex like change, the fact that social media stardom, while still constantly changing, is a, like a little bit more settled. Whether kind of more traditional players and maybe players that take like a smaller percentage, like I think he Scooter takes like twenty percent of his clients' um, incomes, right, like whether those especially for superstars uh become more of an option right like justin bieber is now a superstar made the transition to adulthood married do you need a manager with as much power as scooter Braun has or can you have someone who more clearly works for you
0: yeah i mean that's also a great point as well i could see that yeah
1: and that that's like and especially if you think about the power these stars have right like, we talk a lot about the major labels, and we talk about how difficult they've made it for, like, a whole host of, of, of actors for the the music streaming companies, um, in some ways for, for lower-level artists. But I don't know. I'm just thinking about the music industry, man. Like, I don't know if Star, like, the true top echelon of Star's, if they've ever been as powerful in music as they are right now. Right? Like, they're not as powerful as labels, but, like, almost, right, in terms of their ability to, like, negotiate their career. They don't need a company to print up their albums and put them in stores if they want them to sell, Right there's an incredibly competitive landscape of people desperately trying to distribute their content,
0: suggesting that people are coming to them. That's like less of a need to like reach out to people
1: or people are, people are coming to them or just like, you know, it's not like, right. Like, I'm just imagining, imagine like Bruce Springsteen's on Columbia. If Columbia wanted to kill Bruce's career though, he needed a big company to put physical things everywhere. Like Beyonce doesn't need that. And it's not like there's not a hyper-competitive market of people who are like, if she wants to do an interview, anyone in the whole world would do it. If she wants to do a tour, everyone, everywhere wants to host her, right? Like, there's a bidding war for their services, the people who still have this, like, unbelievable amount of attention and cultural cachet. So I'm actually thinking about, like, in terms of, like, the balance between managers and labels and uh, streaming services and promoters and all these stuff, like, stars. Like, why does Justin Bieber, besides, like, advice, like, why does Justin Bieber need anyone else at this moment? And in a way that, like, in a way that, again, thinking about, like, uh, examples from the past, like, Irving Irving Azoff, who's, like, the famous manager of the Eagles and a whole bunch of other bands. Like, the Eagles still needed Azoff to make sure they got a good deal from the labels, Like, I don't (laughs) – it was just more reciprocal, those relationships, than Bieber. Like, Bieber doesn't need anyone right now. Like, most people need everyone, but he doesn't need anyone. Right. And, I mean, if anything, it's just, like, Scooter's kind of, like, his
0: his pacifier, where it's, like, he's been around – he's been there for so long, and he's helped him get through multiple eras of his career – It's like, you know, you could see on that level wanting to, like, have him kind of stick around. But generally, the point you're making is is completely correct. It's like, what does he need at this point? You know, he doesn't need that. And I mean, I think that, like, maybe that's the, you know, that's that's what you, an explanation that you could apply to most of his, at least longer, clients that he's been with.
1: And the question then, I guess, and this is maybe where we'll kind of leave things, is just to think through for a second, like, whether that's a broader... Whether whether that's a broader whether that's a broader phenomena, right? Like if you're coming up, clearly that that folks coming up are more social media savvy than they were in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. There's probably a moment still, not probably, definitely a moment still where you need to you need help to make that transition right, you do need that institutional seal of approval, you need to have access to those larger existing structures of of the media, and that managers can help you with that, and can help you make that like, kind of blow up, and kind of make, to make that jump from viral success to multi, to, to success, right, which is a stumbling block that lots of people don't, don't manage to do, but like, even then, like, if you think about, like, the kind of creator economy, lots of people are just sort of these, like, medium-sized businesses humming along <laughs> on YouTube, making good money, uh, not enough money to share with a manager necessarily. And, yeah, I'm just, like, I'm not sure. Clearly, like, interfacing with the power structures of the industry is still important at, at some levels. But, but yeah, I don't know if if, like, the role that Scooter played – if the next generation of pop stars would need someone like him in quite the same way that a previous one did.
0: I don't know. I actually don't know if it's making, like, a greater commentary on, like changes in the music industry although i do think that the point i said earlier where maybe you just don't need this like centralized manager who's pulling all the strings and uh to to help your career you know i don't know if that i think i would agree that maybe that's not as important anymore but i think it's also just kind of more of a simplified case in the sense that um you're just seeing the sort of growing pains of well-established music stars kind of Sure. Finding a sort of cruise control and not needing him and him also at a point in his career where he maybe wants to take on a more higher level, a more higher level role that is less involved in like day to day decisions, which I think he's probably already gone to. But like you could definitely see with him taking on a CEO role. I mean, you know, that's putting him at the level, as I said earlier, not at the level, but, you know, it's it's putting him in a position that's similar to, like, Lucian Grange, where he can make Lucian Grange decisions and not just Justin sure. Bieber decisions.
1: And I think an interesting point of comparison, maybe, and that, that'll be, like... Uh, cause I think maybe we're saying it like it's hard to say, is, like, someone like Coach K, again, who's um, fa- founder founded Quality Control, co-founder of Quality Control, who helped kind of launch a series of really major rap careers from atlanta and to see whether you know it's also important like to disaggregate the music industry right like what's true for justin bieber style pop doesn't necessarily have to be true for trap and figuring out like how various sectors of the music or country music right where i imagine there's a lot more um kind of institutional structures of like an older school manager. And so yeah, so just thinking through the kind of the various types of situations and the potential utility of these kinds of of fixer figures. And it will continue. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, for sure.
0: Well, we'll put a pin in it there. Um, Thanks for listening. Music by Bird Language. We'll be back in a couple weeks. And yeah, very excited about our new collaboration relationship, making it official with Penny Fractions and look forward to some Uh, exciting new content involving David Turner and many others and we'll see you soon